You remember when the Packers signed Seth Roberts? Barely. I, I, uh, not Seth Rollins. No, there's a big difference. Seth Rollins is the wrestler, the Monday Night Messiah. Uh, Seth Roberts. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I'm really being tested this week. Our sports schedule is just an absolute mess. Yesterday, the Badgers played at 4 p.m., right during my show. Like, the Badgers tipped off against Green Bay as I was starting my show. And then they were wrapping up the game at just about the time I was wrapping up my show. So I didn't get to see any of it. I had to watch the highlights, read the box score like a loser, right? And now today, we have a a legit NFL football game, which I never miss. I never skip football games. Monday night, Thursday night, of course, Sunday night. Like, I'm, I'm watching every game. Right, I watch all day Sunday, every Monday night, every Thursday night. I want to watch today, and the Steelers and the Ravens are playing right now, and RG3 is actually kind of cooking, not really, but a little bit. The game's, it's a good game, and I'm doing a show, so I have to try to keep up with it, watch a little bit, and do a radio show at the same time. I'm really going to be tested today. This is why they pay me the big bucks, though, right? Because I got to multitask, I guess. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an excellent evening. And I'm glad that you've tuned in. I, I will keep you updated. I mean, not obnoxiously, but every once in a while, I'll let you know what the score of the game is. The Ravens actually hanging tough. The Steelers can't put it in the end zone. Like, they're just addicted to getting stopped at the five-yard line and kicking field goals. So the Ravens are actually leading right now, and RG3 doing just enough. The score right now, to be precise, to make sure I have it correctly. Uh, the Steelers have 12 points on four field goals so far. Pittsburgh is up, excuse me. 12 to 7. My bad. My bad. So Baltimore did not take the lead. I thought they did right before I started the show, but my bad. So interesting close game nonetheless. Pittsburgh up 12 to 7 at halftime. Of course, we also got to talk about the Badger game from yesterday. We have a lot to get to. Our sports schedule is an absolute mess. We're going to talk a lot about the Green Bay Packers today. I have maybe the best question, the best topic, the best hypothetical uh, that I'm going to pose to you. Maybe the best one of the year. Maybe the best, most interesting Packers topic of the year. That's coming up in about 15 minutes, and I would love to get your input, your opinion, and I would love to hear from you on the talk and text line. Uh, And I'll let you know what that question is. I'll set it up coming up at 420. Uh, It is a slow news Wednesday as well, so I want to share with you the most interesting story of the week. It's actually about Giannis and an interview that Giannis did uh, for a Greek TV station. So I had to go back and reread it in English because I... Much to your surprise, I actually can't speak Greek. Uh, I'm not fluent in Greek, so I had to go read the transcript, which was, it was very wordy. It was a lot of work, but it it was a very interesting interview. And when Giannis can speak in his native language and he's not having to speak English, and he's learned English very well. Like, I can't imagine having to do that, coming over here and and learning a second language in order to play a sport professionally. Giannis speaks fine English, but he's, he's comfortable and he's loose and he can speak more quickly and naturally in his native language, in Greek. So it was interesting to, to read him and, and listen to him, I guess, in, in that capacity and what he had to say. Some comments that I want to share with you. That's Slow News Wednesday coming up at 5.30. A lot of fun stuff to talk about today, and you're always welcome to text the show, 608-796-2558. And, of course, if you're on Twitter, you can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. Let's start with last night. Let's start with the Badgers, because this is typically how we start the Wisco Sports Show. What, what happened last night? Right. What, what happened the night before? What happened today? Let's get caught up on, on the latest news, the latest game. 
the latest story, and then we'll get into our Wisconsin sports teams if a Wisconsin team or a Wisconsin story isn't the biggest story of the day. I thought because we barely had a chance to talk about the Badgers last night, we would start with them for just a couple of minutes. They beat UW-Green Bay yesterday. The game happened exclusively between 4 and 6 p.m., so I had to rewatch it and catch myself up. Uh, we were kind of keeping track during the show, I guess. We were paying attention. Uh, the box score from the starting five was very impressive. It's almost as if they got together before the game and said, look, we're all going to get double digits. We're, we're all, we're all going to chip in. Nobody go hard. Like, nobody... Nobody tried too hard here. It's Green Bay. Relax. We'll, we'll all get a dozen or so, and then we'll move on. Micah Potter, 14. Nate Reavers, 13. Aleem Ford, 13. Brad Davison, 10. And Demetri Trice is like, yeah, you guys got it. I'll just, I'll pitch in four points, a couple of assists, a couple of rebounds, and we'll be fine. They got some solid performances off the bench. Tyler Wall may have turned into a grown man over the offseason. I, I don't know what happened with him. He was pulling down every rebound in sight. He had 15 total boards, 11 points. That's nice. Solid double-double. And then Johnny Davis, my guy, lacrosse's guy, the state of Wisconsin's guy, uh, pitched in a bucket at the end and had five rebounds. You know, just a little bit of everything. So if you didn't see the box score, you didn't hear how the 82-42 to victory over Green Bay shaped up. That's what happened. It was really, really funny. I saw our friend Zach Heilprin of the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network on the zone joking about uh, the press conference with Will Ryan, who coaches at UW-Green Bay, Bo Ryan's son, uh, he joked after the game, Will Ryan joked that Greg Gard and his staff, they told him to take it easy on him. It's like, hey, Greg, can you take it easy on us? Well, not really. They, they almost doubled you up, 82 to 42. The quote from Will Ryan after the game, uh, I guess they decided not to. They decided not to take it easy on us. And I appreciate the reporting of the Badgers beat because I didn't see that video. I didn't see the press conference. Uh, it was very funny to see that quote and some lighthearted rivalry between Green Bay and Madison, or Green Bay and Wisconsin, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. In the scope of Wisconsin basketball, meaning the WEAC, and then, of course, you factor in Milwaukee, which I believe is in the Horizon League. I'm sorry if I'm wrong about that. Green Bay as well. Right in the scope of Wisconsin, I consider UW-Madison, right? Like, I, I, we have UW-Lacrosse, UW-Platteville, UW-Stout, UW-Eau Claire, and then UW-Madison as far as the UW system goes, right? And then when... UW-Madison plays Milwaukee or Green Bay. It's it's UW-Madison versus those UW schools. But then when you get into the, the picture and the frame of reference that's a little bit bigger, then they're, they're just Wisconsin. So we have to adapt our, our lingo just a little bit. It, it's something that I really, really love about early season college basketball, especially in Wisconsin. And I don't know if they do this in other states. Um, I, I guess I can't speak to what Ohio State, for example, does or what Cal or UCLA do. But I really like that UW-Madison, every year they have a matchup against a WEAC school. Last year it was lacrosse, right? This year's a little bit different due to COVID. And I like that they play Green Bay or they play Milwaukee. They always play Marquette, but Marquette... Do we really care, Wisconsin fans? I know Marquette fans get up for this game and think it's a huge deal and it's like the most important day of the year for them. I feel I feel bad that they think that because this game, to me, as a Wisconsin fan, is not significant in the slightest because Wisconsin is going to win. They always win. They're the bigger, better program, and that's not going to change. But uh, good, Marquette fans can get up for the game on Friday. That's what I really love about the early season with the Badgers. And like I said, I don't know if that's the case in other states with other schools, but the University of Wisconsin-Madison has this unique setting where there's a bunch of good D3 schools around the state of Wisconsin, and then they, of course, have Green Bay and Milwaukee, and and then at the very bottom of the totem pole, they have Marquette. I wonder if Marquette could hang in the WEAC. If Marquette played a schedule of UW-Platteville, UW-Stevens Point, I don't know if if they're tough enough. I don't know if Coach Woj... And the Marquette Golden Eagles, I don't know if they can hang in the WEAC. I don't know if they could play Division Three basketball. They're, they're really at the 
at the bottom of the totem pole. As far as as far as I'm concerned, with Wisconsin basketball, it, it's always fun to watch um, them play. You know, teams from around the state. It was also really cool yesterday. Even if you aren't from the Lacrosse area, and I don't mean to be obnoxious about this, because we broadcast in Lacrosse on WKTY, we're in Madison on WOZN on the Zone. Even if you're not in Lacrosse and you're not familiar with the basketball scene in the Mississippi Valley Conference, right? We've had some great between Bronson Koenig who played at Aquinas, Kobe King, who played at Lacrosse Central, right? Matt Thomas, that played at On Alaska, some good basketball players that have come out of this side of the state, and the Mississippi Valley Conference. It was really cool yesterday, even if you're not from this area, and even if you don't care about Lacrosse Central basketball. The fact that there were three players on the floor yesterday who all played together in high school, Johnny Davis, Jordan Davis, and Terrence Thompson, who plays for Green Bay. That's really cool. I don't care where you're from or what high school team you follow, or maybe you don't care about high school basketball at all. That's still pretty cool, right? Not to be obnoxious and keep bringing up Lacrosse Central. But that's pretty cool, especially in a game that's not very competitive and the result isn't really that interesting. It's more about the story and the development of these players. And I don't know if there's a cooler story than three high school teammates being on the floor at the same time. So that was pretty cool to see yesterday. The Lacrosse Central game at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. The Badgers ranked fourth in the AP. They are 3-0 and on the season. That's what happened yesterday during the show. Now today... During the show, another afternoon special, we have the Steelers and the Ravens. AFC North football. I remember a couple of years ago when the Pittsburgh Steelers played the Bengals. It was on primetime. I don't remember if it was Sunday night football or if it was Monday night. But it was just a vicious game. Players were out there headhunting each other, taking shots, like just putting dudes out. Like it was a, it was a violent game. It wasn't just a gritty physical game. It was a violent game. Like to it. To almost a not-so-great extent. Football fans are like, man, you guys, you're going to hurt each other. Can we please take it easy? Like, that, like that's how violent it was. And I remember after the game, the sideline reporter asking Big Ben, like, man, you you guys, a lot of injuries, right? A lot of personal foul penalties, you know, taking headshots. You know, what's your assessment of this game? And I remember Big Ben just saying, yep, that's AFC North football. Like, stop. Stop. And no, it's not. Shut up. There's a lot of people, some would argue that the AFC North is a grittier division than the NFC North. I don't buy into that for a second, not for a moment. Now, violent, maybe. It's certainly more violent. Cheap shots galore between the Bengals and the Steelers. And if you work the Browns, and My- I mean, Miles Garrett did swing a helmet like a club and hit a quarterback last year. We can't forget about that. The AFC North may be a more violent division than the NFC North, but gritty, not a chance. No. Historical, no, not a chance. NFC North's got him beat by a mile. This game is such a mess. Was supposed to be played on Thursday. Then it was moved to this weekend. Then it was moved to Monday. Then Tuesday. Now it's being played on Wednesday. And I keep forgetting what day it is because we have NFL football on at 2.30 in the afternoon. They are without so many players. Of course, Lamar Jackson is out. Robert Griffin III is is playing today. But they're also without tight end Mark Andrews, wide receiver Willie Sneed. They're without their fullback. They're without both of their centers. Their outside linebackers, Matthew Judon and uh, Pernell McPhee, names you might know. They're without Calais Campbell. They're without everybody. And then it was announced today that they're not going to activate Mark Ingram or J.K. Dobbins. Didn't even travel. They're, they're, they're off the COVID-19 list, but they must not be ready to play. They're without everybody. They're a skeleton crew out there. And that's why I think it would be really funny if the Ravens ended up winning today. I think that would I think it'd be awesome. Heck with the Steelers. Why? I have no love for the Steelers. I know the Steelers and the Packers, they have this historic, gritty, smaller town feel. Pittsburgh is obviously much larger than Green Bay. But it's not New York, right? It's not Los Angeles. It's not It's not a coastal elite team. 
So I think sometimes Steelers and Packers fans have, have bonded together over that. And they played in Super Bowl 45, which is a cool connection too. But I, I have no love for the Steelers and I have no love for Ben Worthlessberger whatsoever. I think it'd be funny to see Baltimore win today. I don't really care who wins. If Pittsburgh wins, I'm not going to lose any sleep. This game is too much of a mess to really be concerned about the result. Result aside, I do I do got to get this off my chest. This is something we haven't talked about yet related to the NFL, the top of the NFL, the best teams in the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, by the way, are 10-0. They're still undefeated. They don't get talked about as much as probably the Buccaneers or even, you know, the Cowboys or the Packers or the Saints. But the Pittsburgh Steelers are 10-0. They're the one undefeated team left. And I, I don't think the Steelers are as amazing as their record would tell you. Right now, whether they leave tonight 10-1 and or 11-0, it, it doesn't matter to me. I don't think the Steelers are as good as their record shows. Now, some people would say that the Steelers are overrated, which technically is what I'm saying when I say they're not as good as their record would show. But overrated carries such an, an aggressive, negative connotation. I don't want to... I don't want to throw out any fighting words. And overrated has become a, a fighting word in sports, which I, I understand why, because it's misused, right? If you think a team stinks, you just call them overrated, which they're not they're not the same word, right? A bad team is not an overrated team, but a 10-0 team that everybody, you know, is is super, super high on, well, if the record doesn't match how good the team actually is, well, then overrated probably is the right word, but I'll avoid using it. I think the Steelers could win a Super Bowl. I absolutely think the Steelers could win a Super Bowl. 100%. But I think Kansas City is so much better. I think Tennessee is better. I, I think there's teams in the AFC that are better than Pittsburgh. I think there's teams in the NFC that are better than Pittsburgh. I don't care that they're 10-0. and I don't care if they leave this game 11-0 or 10-1. and I, I don't think the Steelers are as good as their record would show. They seem to me like a team that's just ripe for the picking. Like when the postseason starts, Steelers fans should be like, oh man, we're going to get upset. I just know it. Right now, I, that's how I feel about the Steelers. I think they're ripe for the picking. They could go 15-1, and one, go into the postseason, and I would still think, mm, I think somebody will get them. I think somebody's going to get the Steelers at some point in the postseason. Remember, it only takes one bad game. Single elimination in the NFL. Only one team gets a bye. Pittsburgh's built on their defense. There's so much more variance in defense than there is in offense. Offense is consistent. It's replicable every week. Defense comes and goes. Bears this last week are a great example. Sure, they quit. They also had no answer, none for Aaron Rodgers. He had the key to every lock. The Bears were just, they, they were without solutions. Great defense, but not on Sunday. A lot of variance with defenses. Big Ben also isn't as great as people think. He threw an interception in the end zone to start the game. He's ranked in the mid to low 20s by most metrics in pro football focus. Like, Big Ben is not going to carry the Steelers through a bad game. And when you're driven by defense, you're due for a bad game. You're due for an upset. That's just how it works. I think the Steelers this year are very similar to the 2019 Packers. They've underwhelmed against some teams that aren't very good. They've skated by some teams barely by just a few points, teams that aren't very good. And I think you could make a case that a lot of teams in the AFC could knock out Pittsburgh if they met in the postseason. Under the right conditions, right? Because I think Pittsburgh is ripe for the picking. I think somebody's going to get them. I don't care. I don't care what the result of today's game is. It's being played on a Wednesday. We should just throw this game out. I understand they're playing it. People are going to bet it. We're going to, you know, have fantasy games decided by it. It's dumb. It's dumb. I, I don't factor this game in for anything. Whether Pittsburgh goes 11-0 or 10-1, and I still think they're ripe for the picking. Now, I'm not going to say they're overrated, even though that's technically what I'm implying here. Calling a team overrated, that, that them are fighting words. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be personal. We're only 17 minutes into the show. We have a lot of time to get personal and get upset before 6 o'clock. Don't worry. 
my best Packers question of the season, my most interesting, but possibly most provocative Packers take. Well, it's, it's not a take. I have a question for you. Actually, I, I don't really know the answer to this question. It's regarding the Packers, their quarterback position, and their direction moving forward. And I want your participation today. I want to hear from you. So hit me up on the talk and text line. Be ready to hit me up on the talk and text line. The most interesting Packers hypothetical, my most interesting question of this Packers season. That's coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Thanks for tuning in and hanging out. My name is Grant Bills, and I am your host. I am the ringleader of this two-hour circus every night. You can follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I was tweeting about music last night because the Spotify year in review thing came out where you see, you know, which artists you listen to most, which songs, you listen, that you know, that thing. So I was tweeting about music last night. If you want to know what I listened to most in the year 2020, you can find it on my Twitter account, at Wisco Grant. And if you don't care, I, that's, I, I get it. I wouldn't care about most of my tweets either, but that's where you can find me. Text or call the show, 608-796-2558. I really want to hear from you all today because I have what I think is an incredible Packers question, a hypothetical. I think this will I think this will get the wheels turning in your mind. So let me set the scene. Give me a minute here. I woke up this morning, and I had a lot to get done. I needed to have a very productive morning. I had a lot of things on my to-do list. I had to do laundry. I had to clean my apartment. It's a mess. I had to go grocery shopping because I have no food in the house. I had to do my monthly budget because it's December 2nd, and if I put it off much longer, I'm just going to say screw it, and then I'll spend way too much money this month. So I had all these things to do. So naturally, I woke up and did none of those things. I watched TV I watched TV instead, and I was watching some of the sports channels, you know, some of the terrible talking head debate shows, but I can't get enough of them, as terrible as they are. And I was watching First Things First on FS1 because I really like Nick Wright. I could really take or leave the rest of the show. I'd prefer to leave the rest of the show. Nick Wright uh, does some things in the afternoon on Sirius XM Radio, and I wish I could listen to him, but I never can because, you know, I got my own thing going on here, so I can't listen to Nick Wright, even though he's one of my favorites. He brought up a very interesting point about the Packers, the quarterback position, Aaron Rodgers. By the way, it's his birthday today. Happy, happy birthday, Aaron Rodgers, turning 37. He brought up a very interesting point about the Packers quarterback situation, and I thought, oh my goodness, we are definitely talking about that tonight. Here is Nick Wright's take from this morning on uh, FS1. If he keeps this up and they play well in the postseason, whether they make the Super Bowl or not, you absolutely have to consider trading Jordan Love in this in, for this reason. I would argue, Jenna, is you have to. Make, he's a first-round pick, so you have to make a decision on him basically by the end of year three. That's the spot Baker, for example, is in this year. Are you going to pick up the fifth-year option or not? If Rodgers shows no signs that Love's going to get on the field in the next two years after this one, then you're going to end up probably having to trade him for 20 cents on the dollar or lose him for nothing. So, yeah, I absolutely, not just because it would make Rodgers feel better, but because you can recoup some of the assets you squandered on that pick right now. Hmm. Okay. Trade Jordan Love. That's a that's a fascinating proposition, a fascinating idea that that weirdly we haven't talked about. How have we not talked about this yet? Now, I, this is nothing personal against Jordan Love. I'm not saying I want to trade Jordan Love, but how has this not been discussed? How has this not been debated by someone? Uh, not even me. Has anybody thrown this idea around? I don't know if Ebo has 
kicked it around in the morning in Madison. I don't know if Dave Carney has brought it up here in lacrosse. I, I don't know. I haven't heard it. But I heard that this morning. I'm like, oh, my God, we can talk about that for hours. Trade Jordan Love just after trading up to get him in the first round just a couple of months ago. Context is really important here because you don't simply talk about trading your first round pick a couple of months after making the selection if the context isn't complicated and the context is very complicated. Aaron Rodgers, you know, the Packers current quarterback, who's pretty good, you know, two-time MVP, Super Bowl MVP, just passed 50,000 passing yards a couple days ago. Aaron Rodgers is playing way better than I think even Packers fans realize. And here's the problem is we, Aaron Rodgers just, just gets praised for everything, every day, for every part of his game, which which isn't true. Aaron Rodgers does have some weaknesses in his game, and he hasn't been amazing every week. But the problem is he gets praised every week like he's amazing. So when he actually does play really, really fantastic, amazing, good, it kind of just gets lost in the shuffle because we're, we're kind of tone deaf to hearing Aaron Rodgers praise. Aaron Rodgers, by and large this season, at least this season as a whole, is playing much better than I think even most Packer fans realize. 33 touchdowns, four interceptions. But his completion percentage is at 68.5%. If that's holds, that, that would be a career high. If he holds at 68.5%, that's going to be the best number of his career, of course, after he took over as a full-time starter. I, I think there's one year where he played just a couple of games and he ended at like 71%. It would be a career high if his completion percentage froze right now and held throughout the rest of the season. He has 26 completions of 20 or more yards. That's best in the NFL. His pro football focus grade is currently the best in the NFL. He reached 50,000 passing yards on Sunday. He got 50,000 passing yards while throwing only 88 interceptions. You want to know that, why that's amazing? Because here's some other quarterbacks who have also gotten to 50,000 yards. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Brett Favre. The thing is, Aaron Rodgers has 50,000 yards and 88 picks. Tom Brady, once he passed 50,000 yards, was at uh, oh, 136 interceptions. Peyton Manning, 180. Drew Brees, 173. Brett Favre, no surprise, a little bit higher, 230. Aaron Rodgers, oh, uh, 88. Yeah, that's significant. That's substantially less than Tom Brady, the GOAT. Substantially less than Peyton Manning. Substantially less than Drew Brees. And obviously, much, much lower than Brett Favre. Brett Favre, of course, of course, Brett Favre's up there. That's all he did was throw picks, right? That's kind of Brett Favre's thing. Aaron Rodgers is playing tremendous football right now. And in a less statistical sense, you know, you know, we could talk about Aaron Rodgers as a player aside from the statistics. He has adapted his play style to fit his age. And that's almost the most important difference with Aaron Rodgers this year. It's, it's not the completion percentage or the touchdown-interception ratio, or that he's completing all these passes greater than 20 yards. And I, I, you know, forget the pro football focus grade. The most important success of Aaron Rodgers this year is that he's adapted his play style. The ball is coming out more quickly. He's playing within an offense. He's not scrambling when he shouldn't scramble. He's not running into sacks. He's not turning down easy yards and easy plays. That's, that's the most important area of improvement for Aaron Rodgers this year, and it's that decision that Aaron Rodgers consciously made to change and adapt and tweak his play style a little bit at now age 37. Once again, happy birthday today, Aaron Rodgers. It's that decision and that change he made this year that has led him to such a great completion percentage and success throwing the ball down the field, right? And obviously pro football focus reflects all those things in their quarterback grade. Aaron Rodgers is having a tremendous year and it's in this year and in this context that Brian Gutekinds to Matt LaFleur emphatically 
and enthusiastically took a quarterback in the first round. They traded up. They were celebrating the pick. They were smiling. It was like they won the lottery. They were so happy on draft night to get Jordan Love. My God, they were thrilled. They wanted him. Bad. So it's in this context of Aaron Rodgers playing amazing and Jordan Love being enthusiastically drafted. It's in this context. I got to ask, and I want to hear from you coming up next. Should the Packers trade Jordan Love? Should they do it? I want to talk about that coming up next. Get your thoughts and and approach this from a couple different angles because I think this is a fascinating question to talk about. We'll answer that question. Of course, it's Slow News Wednesday. That's coming up before the end of the show. We'll talk a little bit more about the Badgers as well. A lot of the Wisco Sports Show still to come. Do not go anywhere. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills, and I am your host. Appreciate you tuning in. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Text and call the show at 608-796-2558. It is Wednesday, although it feels like a Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday or literally any other day because there's football being played right now. The Steelers and the Ravens are just in the middle of a, a gross, a horrendous, bad quality football game. Although it's... Probably the best football game ever played on a Wednesday still, even with backups playing all over the field for Baltimore. Good way to look at it, right? It's still football on a day where we normally don't have football. What a mess. The NFL season's getting getting messy. Not as messy as the Big Ten season, thankfully, but still pretty messy. Uh, it's an open phones Wednesday, which is something I just invented. I really want to hear from you. I'm, I'm very bad at prompting you to call and text in and inviting you to be a part of the show. The question today, should the Packers trade Jordan Love? I want to know what you think. I, I don't really feel strongly about this one way or another. I, I kind of have an opinion, but I, I could be swayed. I could be convinced, right? I, I heard this question posed when I was watching TV this morning, and I thought, how have we not talked about, oh, my God, how have we not discussed that? So I stole it. I first heard it from Nick Wright on Fox Sports 1 this morning, and I'm like, that's brilliant. We can do that for 45 minutes tonight. Here's some context for this question, and it's the context that makes this conversation worth having, right? Not every team in the NFL thinks about trading their backup quarterback just because their starting quarterback is playing well, right? Like, uh, for example, the Vikings aren't thinking right now, oh, Kirk Cousins is playing great. Let's trade Sean Mannion or whoever their backup is. I don't even know, right? Who's another backup? Uh, I I don't know any backup quarterbacks. This is bad. I tried to do this off the top of my head. For example, whoever the backup quarterback for the Lions is. Is it Jeff Driscoll? (laughs) I don't know, somebody like that. The Lions aren't saying, well, we have Matt Stafford. Let's just trade our backup, right? You don't just trade backups to trade backups when your quarterback is playing well. The context is important here. The context makes this conversation worth having. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind good right now. And Aaron Rodgers is blindly praised just about every game he ever plays in. So sometimes we get tone deaf to it, but he actually has been tremendous this year. If his completion percentage right now were to stay right where it is, it would be a career high, at least as the full-time starter, right? He's leading the league in down-the-field passes uh, completed, you know, more than 20 yards. His pro football focus grade is tremendous. 33 touchdowns, only four interceptions, tremendous as well. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. That complicates things when you draft Jordan Love in the first round. And I think it's safe to assume that our friend Brian Gutekunst, the Packers general manager, probably didn't expect this. You think that's safe to say? Can can we assume that safely? 
that Brian Gutekunst is surprised that Aaron Rodgers is playing this well? Be- because I think there is the possibility that Brian Gutekunst expected Aaron Rodgers to play well and drafted Jordan Love anyways. Maybe that's what happened, right? Maybe maybe he stuck to his board so strongly, right? Best player available, best player available. Jordan Love's the best player available. Let's get him, right? And it didn't matter what, what else is going on. And, and look, I... I'm all for sticking to your draft system and sticking to your board, but you can't draft blindfolded, right? Like, you, you, you got to take situation into account a little bit, right? You, you got to take the Packers are one game from the Super Bowl, right? You got to take that they have a bad run defense. They need a wide receiver. You have to at least have that in the back of your mind. And Brian Gutekinds just appeared to be drafting with a blindfold. Jordan Love is the guy I want. I'm going to take him, right? Josiah DeGuar is the guy I want. I'm going to take him. Situation be damned. Circumstances be damned. And it's that context, everything I just mentioned. Aaron Rodgers playing well. Brian Gutekinds maybe drafting over his over his skis just a little bit. It's all of that context coming together to make this a worthwhile question. Should the Packers trade Jordan Love? And this is where I first heard it. I heard it this morning on Fox Sports 1. First things first with Nick Wright, and I'll, I'll share it with you if again. If he keeps this up and they play well in the postseason, whether they make the Super Bowl or not, you absolutely have to consider trading Jordan Love in this in, for this reason. I would argue, Jenna, is you have to. Make, he's a first-round pick, so you have to make a decision on him basically by the end of year three. That's the spot Baker, for example, is in this year. Are you going to pick up the fifth-year option or not? If Rodgers shows no signs that Love's going to get on the field in the next two years after this one, then you're going to end up probably having to trade him for 20 cents on the dollar or lose him for nothing. So, yeah, I absolutely, Mm. not just because it would make Rodgers feel better, but because you can recoup some of the assets you squandered on that pick right now. Now, first first of all, I... Disagree strongly. Let's put it that way. Disagree strongly with a lot of Nick Wright's logic. Like, I love the question. I I love the topic. But, like, okay, he's on a rookie deal, so you have to decide? Well, no, not not really. I mean, I suppose you can worry about the contract, but since when do we? We're still not not worrying about Aaron Jones' contract, for God's sake. Like, they haven't made a decision on Aaron Jones. Jordan Love's been a member of the team for four or five months. I don't don't get the first-round decision and, and, and making Aaron Rodgers happy who ca- who cares I love Aaron Rodgers favorite football player I've ever watched he'll probably go down as my favorite Packer of all time right now if he doesn't that m- means that they're gonna draft someone real good in the next you know 20 30 years which would be great too I'm all for Aaron Rodgers being happy but trading away somebody just to please a quarterback nah I'm not I'm not not about that and recouping draft assets do you think you're gonna get a first round pick for Jordan Love, a first and a fourth, remember, because they traded a fourth-round pick to move up to get him. I don't think anybody's coming to the Packers right now offering a first-round pick for Jordan Love. So recouping assets, I look, you can make an argument that the Packers should trade Jordan Love, and it'll have to be in the offseason because the trade deadline has already passed. But I, I would not have used a single one of those arguments that Nick used. A couple of things to keep in mind when we're kicking this question around. And by the way, I would love to hear from you. We have a couple of texts coming in. I'll read those at the end. 608-796-2558. You can call me on that same number as well if you want to discuss it a little bit more in detail. Otherwise, I will read your text here in a few minutes. A couple of things to keep in mind. Aaron Rodgers might not keep this up past this season. He just turned 37. Now, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers ain't going to work hard and keep himself in shape and all those things. But sometimes it's not up to the player. Like, you start getting injured. You have some bad luck. Your offensive line takes a dive, and and your protection takes a dive. Aaron Rodgers might not last. He might not play this well next year. Heck, 
He might he might jump off a cliff next week. His season might tank starting next Sunday. We don't know. Right? And and I'm I'm really hesitant to make a, a franchise decision like trading a quarterback that you took in the first round just because Aaron Rodgers has played great for 11 games. He has played great, but it's 11 games. And, and I remember last year, smart football people, analytic people, were very critical of Aaron Rodgers because although his team was winning, the offense still wasn't clicking at a high level and he wasn't great. He was pretty good by quarterback standards, but by his standards and by elite quarterback standards, no, he wasn't great. And last year, all the smart football people were pointing this out. The analytics people were pointing this out. Aaron Rodgers taking a step back. He's having a little bit of a down year. And then this year, everyone is attacking those same people for calling Aaron Rodgers washed. Oh, see Aaron Rodgers? No, he's had it all along. He's been fine. Well, the critics a year ago weren't wrong. Aaron Rodgers did take a step back last year. He wasn't great this year. He's great, or he wasn't great last year, excuse me. He's great this year. Those two things can coexist. And I think the narrative started to run away with Aaron Rodgers last year. He's he's over the hill. He's what? No, he... He had a down year, first year in Matt LaFleur's offense, and this year he's playing much better. Those two things can coexist, but it's also a bit of evidence to show that quarterback play can fluctuate from year to year, especially when a quarterback is 37 years old. And I think the Packers would feel real foolish if they traded Jordan Love and we get to next year and Aaron Rodgers isn't the same quarterback. I think that's important to keep in mind. Aaron Rodgers' you know, play could change drastically over the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months. That's something we got to keep in mind. We also have to factor in what the Packers could possibly get in return if they were to trade Jordan Love. I'm assuming they would make the move this offseason, which if everything goes according to plan and no catastrophe happens, Jordan Love isn't going to play. He'll probably never suit up, right? So you're going into the offseason attempting to trade Jordan Love, who's never played a game in the NFL. What are you, what are you going to get in return, right? Because getting more draft picks in the future really doesn't solve the Packers problem. People were upset at Brian Gutekunst and the Packers for not getting Rodgers any help in this draft. They didn't get him a wide receiver. They didn't get anyone to to help, you know, reinforce the defense. Rodgers, he needs help. Get him help. Okay, well, I I don't necessarily disagree, but explain to me, how does trading Jordan Love now get Rodgers help? Right? Like, oh, they were idiots to trade for Jordan Love. Or trade up to draft Jordan Love, so now they should get rid of him. Okay, why? Because in, unless you're trading him for a player, which no one's going to give up DeAndre Hopkins for Jordan Love, right? Trading Jordan Love won't appease the people that had a problem with the Jordan Love pick in the first place, right? People were mad that the Packers didn't take a wide receiver. They took Jordan Love instead. Trading Jordan Love this offseason doesn't fix that problem. It just gets more draft capital that Brian Gudikins could very well use on another tight end or an H-back. Think about that. Chew on that for a little bit. So really, if you want Jordan Love traded, it becomes about Brian Gutekunst admitting he made a mistake. Oh, Goody should trade him. Goody should own up to his mistake and move on from Jordan Love. Why? How does that help anything? Right? This isn't a blame game. It's the NFL draft. Right? Trading away Jordan Love does not solve the problem that everybody thought was created when Jordan Love was drafted in the first place. Does trading Jordan Love get you T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, LaVisca Chenault, Michael Pittman Jr.? Does trading Jordan Love get you DK Metcalf or Terry McLaurin or Debo Samuel? No. So then what are we doing? If you trade Jordan Love for a player, okay, well, maybe that's a different story, but I don't think anybody's willing to trade one of those players, one of those wide receivers for Jordan Love. So what are we doing? Oh, the the Packers should trade Jordan Love to to get Aaron Rodgers some help? You're 
You're not getting Aaron Rodgers' help in return. You're going to get draft picks, which Brian Gutekinds could very well draft another quarterback with, right? Draft picks are never given. So if you're upset that the Packers didn't draft Aaron Rodgers any help, trading away Jordan Love isn't going to make things better. It's just going to get him more draft picks. Now, the Patriots of Jimmy Garoppolo and, and the trade that they made, that's an interesting case study. That's a, that's a very interesting case study to look at because that, it's a similar situation, right? The Patriots thought Brady was over the hill, so they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, and then Brady threw a temper tantrum, so they traded Garoppolo for next to nothing, and, and that's kind of where we stood, right? Tom Brady leaves two years later. In 2018, the Patriots got a second rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way, had played in games and looked pretty good. That's something Jordan Love hasn't done, something we need to keep in mind. New England traded that pick to Detroit for a second rounder and a fourth rounder, and then Cleveland got involved and it turned into a whole mess. All in all, the Patriots ended up with nine players from the Jimmy Garoppolo trade when all was said and done, and none of them contribute whatsoever, right? None of them. So the Patriots didn't really get a huge return off of that deal. And I have the list of players I can tell you in a second if you're if you're really that interested. I lost track of the pick. I was looking at the 2018 draft and where all these picks went. I'm like, well, Patriots didn't get anything out of this. Now Patriots missed on a bunch of draft picks. Sure. Here's how it went. They got Duke Dawson, who's a cornerback no one's heard of. Christian Sam, a linebacker. He never played a game. He's out of the league. Joan Williams, who's another cornerback. Sometimes plays on special teams. Damian Harris, a running back that you might actually know. Yadni Kahuste, he's a lineman. He's never played in a game. Jarrett Stidham, who they love so much they signed Cam Newton. Dalton Keene, a tight end. He's been inactive every year or every game and every year. Justin Heron is a tackle who could be fine, I guess. He started two games this year. We'll see. And then Brian Hoyer, who they got when the Niners released Jimmy Garoppolo. So that wasn't even really a part of the trade or when the... Excuse me, they released Hoyer when they got Jimmy Garoppolo. So the Patriots didn't get any better. They didn't get any help for Tom Brady. They just got rid of a quarterback to get rid of a quarterback. The Packers already took Jordan Love. They passed on those wide receivers. The damage or the perceived damage, depending on how you feel about the draft, has been done. So what difference does trading away Jordan Love now make? I don't think it helps. 608-796-2558. Steve says... I love Aaron Rodgers, but maybe it's time to trade him in a blockbuster trade next year while we can get some good picks and good players. Steve, I've heard other people make that suggestion. Trade him to Denver. Maybe you can fleece John Elway, who's got to try to save his job because Drew Locke doesn't look like he's all that. It would make sense, right? Maybe send him to the Niners for a bunch of picks. I don't know. You want to tell me your opinion. Trading Jordan Love or to not trade Jordan Love, 608-796-2558. I put up a poll on Twitter on our lacrosse station at WKTY. 56% of people say no. Don't trade Jordan Love. So the majority say no. I would agree. I, 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 I'm indifferent. I'm a little bit frustrated with the Jordan Love pick from this previous draft, but I don't think trading him now solves any problems. Just creates a bigger mess. It's more, it's more of a it's 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 more of just a, a communication thing, a PR thing. Well, we'll trade Jordan Love to make Aaron Rodgers happy and make fans happy. Well, don't do that. No. Don't just trade someone to trade someone. That's what the Patriots did. They traded him to make Tom Brady happy, and their team ended up worse for it. They got nine players in return. None of them can play worth a darn. Let's take a break. I want to talk a little bit about Darnell Savage. We had a conversation on Monday about Darnell Savage. He met with the media. He had some really interesting things to say, so I want to share one clip with you and talk about the second year safety and his chance at having a big impact down the stretch of course we're going to talk more about Wednesday afternoon football 
Uh, and it is a slow news Wednesday as well. A Giannis story I want to talk about coming up after 5 o'clock. So don't go anywhere. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. show rolling on my name is grant bills thanks for tuning in and hanging out amazing news breaking news orlando arcia has signed a one-year two million dollar contract with the brewers yeah you bet brewers 2020 mvp and i say that with zero percent sarcasm was he not their best player in 2020 go make an argument and i'm not don't give me daniel vogelbach okay if you want to argue for a pitcher sure orlando arcia team mvp in 2020 God, I'm so glad he's back. I'm. This is an Orlando Arcia show, 100%. It's not a guaranteed deal, but he is back with the Brewers on a one-year, $2 million deal. If the Brewers cut him to save money or trade him to save money, so help me, I will march down Miller Parkway. I will walk down 94 with a sign in my hand in protest of David Stearns and owner Mark Atanasio. God, I love Orlando Arcia. Hell yeah. All right, another player that I'm very high on this week, Darnell Savage. And I'm, it's a goal of mine this week to be more uplifting, uh, more positive, looking for reasons to be happy and not frustrated. Darnell Savage made this very easy on Sunday night. I kept, when he was making plays, I kept saying, good for him. You know, good for Darnell. Heck yeah. Because at times I've been a little frustrated with Darnell Savage. They traded up to take him. First round pick. I need to see something. Need to see some big plays, some dynamic plays, turnovers, whatever. Hadn't really seen it yet. And on Sunday, he had two interceptions. So I wanted to highlight him and talk about him just a little bit. Uh, he met with the media on Sunday after the game, and he was asked about his first interception. Like, what a flex to be at a press conference. And So, Darnell, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your interception? Uh, excuse me, which one? I had two. Which one, would you, which one would you like me to speak on? I have so many, I can't keep them straight. Here's Darnell Savage talking about his first interception, ranging on a deep ball into the end zone. Oh, uh, well, we, we actually, um, you know, we actually got that same play earlier in the year. And, uh, you know, offense is like, like people always say it's a copycat league. So um, stuff that works, teams are going to find a way to get back to it. So, um, you know, I just, I just happened to, I, I, I had a feeling that, that they was going to take a shot. And when I turned and I seen the ball was in the air, I just, I just tried to run as fast as I could and, and get under it. So it ended up working out. So reading the play, recognizing something from earlier on in the season, that seems like an important trait for a safety. Don't we hear that about Ed Reed all the time? recognizing tendencies and then playing them appropriately and accordingly later on down the line. I thought so. Uh, Bill Huber of Sports Illustrated asked Darnell Savage about being a first-round pick and the pressure that comes along with being a first-round pick. A a first-round pick, might I add, that the Packers traded up to get. Darnell Savage talks a little bit about that. Um, I put put that pressure on myself. Uh, You know, the biggest thing for me, I think, is just stay patient. I know, I know... uh, you know what I'm saying? I know the kind of athlete and, and how smart I am as, as far as football goes. You know what I'm saying? So I know my plays are going to come. Um, you know, it's just just staying patient and just staying the course, really. Darnell Savage putting the pressure on himself, which I like. Packers need Darnell Savage and Rashawn Gary to be good. Like, it's not an option that those two players are average or worse. Like, they can't be Dayton Jones and HaHa Clinton Dix. Because draft picks in the top 15 or in the top 25, Green Bay's not going to get them. They're not going to get him again. While Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are there, they're not going to get draft picks that high unless they trade away a really, really good player, which I... Who are they going to move? Kenny Clark? Aaron Rodgers? Like, I, I don't see that happening, at least not this offseason. 
they need Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage to be good because they're not getting they're not getting premium picks like that in the top fifteen or in the top twenty five. They're not they're not getting that again. So they need those players to work out. Uh, final one: How important was the scoop and score for the energy of the defense? The Packers now have what four turnovers in two weeks, or is it or is it eight? I don't know. They've got they've got them in bunches the last couple of weeks. I don't know exactly how the math shapes out. But it was very big for the Packers' defense that was struggling to turn the ball over. What was that scooping score from Preston Smith? What did that do to the defense? Uh, takeaways are always big, you know. Um, it's, it plays such a, a, a vital part in who wins and loses games if you, you know what I'm saying, you really uh, look at it and kind of track the statistics of it. So um, that's definitely something that, you know, every defense has to preach as far as just taking the, taking the ball away because uh, momentum shifts. It gives the offense momentum, you know. It's tough when – the offense is rolling, then all of a sudden there's a turnover and the defense has to, you know, some sudden change and go out there and, and stop them. So um, takeaways are always going to be like a crucial part of the game. Turnovers come in bunches, right? They come in, they come in bunches. And part of getting turnovers, and I would argue a, a big part of getting turnovers, especially for a safety, is just being in the right place at the right time, which granted in Mike Patton's defense is not very likely because he never has players in the right place at the right time. But when Darnell Savage read those passes correctly and they fell right into his lap, that's that's he's got to make those plays right that's 70% of being a safety in the NFL is just catching the balls that are thrown your way it's not about making amazing adjustments or or trying to guess right on jumping a route or recognizing film it's just being in the right place at the right time and being ready when the ball comes your way and twice on Sunday Darnell Savage was in the right place at the right time twice he caught the ball that's important and that's half the battle now if Darnell Savage wants to get better he's going to have to do that consistently and you know add extra wrinkles into his game, you know, talking about, uh, uh, you know, jumping routes and, and, you know, getting in and popping, popping the ball out like, uh, like Tillman did down in Chicago, right? Those things come later, but it starts with just making the easy plays, the plays that are right there in your lap to be made. He did it twice on Sunday. That was very encouraging for a player that we haven't really seen a whole lot yet. Darnell Savage. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Badgers, talk about this weird Wednesday night football game thing we got going on and then it's slow news wednesday i want to talk about Giannis too more of the wisco sports show coming up after five o'clock